that's what it's all about is making a connection with another person and feeling good about yourself and representing uh, something that you're passionate about. So. But to go and to be able to transform into this different person that's not, uh, you know, necessarily a mom of three kids mm -hmm. cleaning up spills and getting, it, it's just, it, it's escaping. Right. Hello there. <laughs> you did good. It was yeah, good. thanks. That was my uh, Ewan McGregor, uh, Obi-Wan Kenobi, <laughs> Revenge of the Sith impression, if you weren't aware. Uh, welcome to the podcast. This is Cosplay and Cocktails. I'm Jesse, And I'm Paige. Um, so, this is episode six? No, it's six. No, I don't know. Yep. You do the odds and I do the evens yeah, intro. Fair so enough. It's six, yeah. We We're did. on six. We did five, and that was the history of cosplay. Correct. Because four was your 20 questions. That's true. So we're on episode six. I Look at that. us. So uh, episode five, our signature cocktail was based on you mm -hmm, mm -hmm. and your personal taste and your girly fandom. Our signature cocktail I made for this episode which is based on mine, which I still haven't told you the name of. We no. didn't drink it, but uh, haven't told you the name. It's called the Mulder It's Me. Oh, yeah. so good. So based on X-Files, obviously. And it fits my taste a little bit better because it's tea. It was still really good. Yeah, it's tea. I like to use some kind of flavored black tea. Um, and then I use strawberry and rose Mm -hmm. Vodka because rose is like my favorite flavor of all time, and mm -hmm. it's a pretty rare flavor to find stuff. So when I saw it, I was like, I also really like strawberry, but uh, the rose was the real kicker. I used <coughs> the first time I made it, rose tea, black tea. Yeah, um, it was really good. You can sweeten it to your liking. I like it a little bit, a little bit less sweet. Yeah, I agree. Um, you may want it a little bit more sweet. So uh, we'll put that recipe somewhere yeah. in the info if you want it. The Molder It's Me, Jesse Signature Cocktail. The um, podcast signature cocktail. Right. Yeah. Our second signature second. cocktail. Like I said, hopefully I'll keep doing some kind of cocktail at least, even if it is a ripoff. Right. Like I said, the Dr. Manhattan. Uh, Manhattan. Uh, so a little bit in the nonsense corner, we've been spending the day, well, the evening watching uh, the prequels. Star Wars prequels. Star Wars prequels. Uh, and hence the hello there intro correct uh yeah we've been just kind of sorting it out right our thoughts on it right i've been griping about uh things i think don't make any sense about them i still love the prequels unlike a lot of star wars fans yeah. i'm probably as i said just yesterday we we're talking about star wars and they're really gonna have to screw it up pretty yeah. bad before mm -hmm. I start hating them, yeah. so or yeah, I mean, not there's parts, them. parts in all of them that I'm like, eh. right? But yeah, I I still like the prequels, right? Just well, and especially well. like the remastered ones now. Mm -hmm. And George Lucas keeps saying there's not gonna let them re-release the not remastered ones. Yeah. So yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. So that's what anyway, we've been doing. Paige is distracted by dobacks right now. I am. Yeah, <laughs> we're watching a new hope on silent. So if we do get distracted, that's I'm what's not going to get distracted. I'm completely focused on the podcast. Uh, always. I don't know about you. Always. Yeah, I've lost my phone with my notes. On oh, my phone. she's so focused, guys. So, anything else? Okay. No, I think we're good. Okay. Um, just jump right so, in. 
Episode 5, our last episode was on the history of cosplay. This episode is going to be a little bit on the history of conventions in general. So, um, the research I did, I did any kind of fan convention. Mm -hmm. So, not specifically comic conventions. Since most of the conventions today, even if they do build themselves with comic in the name. They have very little comic book sales. (laughs) Strictly like San Diego Comic Con. Not that there aren't. We've never been. But, you know, there's also huge. Like Rick and Morty's had panels. Pretty much all the Marvel movies, Disney will sometimes do. Well, now they're doing more stuff at their own. They've right. got D twenty three Expo, but a uh, lot of a lot of comic book like you have to go to a specific comic book convention right. to. And like I said, even if it's called a comic book convention, yeah. when you get there, it might not. <laughs> Actually, I don't be. know that I've been to any that ha- haven't had any comic books, I... but there have been some that have been very low Again, in the comic I wouldn't book. swear to it. I feel like the last Wizard World we went to didn't have any comics vendors, but I wouldn't swear to it. Yeah. Um, so anyway, also non-comics fan conventions debuted quite a bit earlier mm-hmm. than... Just um, sci-fi in general. Right. right. So, uh, with that, we'll get into it. I got my information. I did, again, I'm a teacher. I don't like to plagiarize, so I did cite my sources. My information is I got a lot of it from a vocal media article from their Geeks section. Mm-hmm. Um, and then also Wikipedia, of course. And uh, DragonCon's website, which is dragoncon.org. And then the... Uh, Highline Society's website, which is... Give me just one second. I don't have that one up. The Highline Society's website is HeinleinSociety.org. So, uh, the Heinlein Society was something that I specifically wanted to talk about in this episode. So, I'll, we'll talk about that a little bit later. So, in my research, the first, what what pretty much everything I read had as the first recorded um, convention, mm-hmm. fan convention, was PhilCon in Philadelphia in 1936. Which would have, would have it's going to eventually turn into New York City Comic Con, is that correct? I don't have that anymore. Okay. That's what I read, uh, which I thought was interesting. Yeah, it, that wasn't in uh, any of my sources, so... Okay. I wouldn't know that how would have been it, it was from in Wikipedia. Philadelphia, so. Uh, I'll see Although if I it can does say that. Wait a minute. No, it says it's in New York. I made up Philadelphia. <laughs> I just assumed since it was called PhilCon that it right. wasn't Philadelphia, I guess. But it does say started in 1936 when a small party of science fiction fans from New York met yep. up. Yep. So, well, but it also says this is the first recorded intercity meetup. Um, so. Uh, that was in 1936. Like you said, it's the first uh, um, recorded. Most things I found said that was the first recorded convention. Um, there was another one in Leeds in 1937 that some other people said was the first. But if it was in 37 and PhilCon was in 36, I don't get how mm-hmm. uh, <laughs> it could be first. Um yeah, and um, it's like 20 or 30 people at each one, like very small gatherings. Yes. Leeds, I have like um, 20, and New York, like 30 or 40, like somewhere I've in there. I've got a picture here of uh, the from the first PhilCon, and there are 11 men oh, in wow. that picture. And they're all wearing like very nice 
suits and they're all smoking <laughs> cigarettes. Well, there you go. So not something you would probably typically see right. at a modern convention. Again, we'll I'll, we'll either link the articles. I've got the links for all my articles. So we'll either link them if you want to read them or at least put up the picture somehow. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. Jesse will uh, send me the important photos and I'll try to link them for sure. Yeah. Um, in 1939, the first World Science Fiction Convention met. That one was one of the first big ones. It had over 200 guests. And eventually that became Worldcon, which is the convention we mentioned in the last episode where the first recorded cosplay right. was in 1941. So uh, Worldcon was not only one of the very first conventions in 1939, but it was the first known convention that there was cosplay at. Like I said, this picture from... PhilCon is all gentlemen, all white gentlemen, not a very diverse audience. Of course, it was 1936, and uh, it, they're all wearing suits. Um, one of them appears to be la- wearing ladies' pants. <laughs> you know. Um, uh, it does say, as I said, at the, the early conventions had very little to do with comic books. Mm-hmm. Um, mostly they were science fiction writers. Specifically, it mentions Edgar Rice, Edgar Rice Burroughs, mm-hmm. H.P. Lovecraft, Robert E. Howard. Um, they were underground affairs. They, as Paige said, few people. Only the super hardcore fans came. And... Uh, sometimes it would just be one specific groups, like their sci-fi clubs. So this says a lot of colleges would have what they called the convention, and it was more just like a big meeting of their sci-fi mm-hmm. club. Maybe another sci-fi club would come and meet with them. Uh, in 1941, the first BossCon was held. BossCon actually was in Boston, so that <laughs> makes sense. It also says here that BossCon was a council of even evil villain, villains in E.E. E. Smith's Lensman series. So uh, they used that, A, for the, because it was a council of even villains, but also because it was a pun, because it was in Boston. So BossCon, and it was already a used uh, in, in science fiction. Mm-hmm. Uh, it lasted five years originally, so 1941 it started. Ended five years later with BossCon 5. But then they revived it again in the 60s under new management. And it was a direct competitor with Worldcon um, that we mentioned earlier. Yep, yep. Um, in what? Nothing. Go ahead. Okay. Sorry. Um, the, another major, early major convention that I found when I was researching is Disclave which was started in the 1950s by the Washington Science Fiction Association. And it ran for 47 years, so that'd be till 97, right? Um, And held, it says here, it held the torch for early years of the fandom for quite some time. So it said uh, 22 individuals showed up at the first ever disclave back in 1950. Um... But as time went on, it grew bigger and bigger and bigger, eventually mm-hmm. attracting George R. R. Martin, who created the Song of Ice and Fire series that Game of Thrones is based on. Um, the convention, and like you said, it ended in 1997. And it actually, the reason why it ended, it, or at least what I found in my research, again, you're trusting my sources, is that <laughs> someone vandalized and caused the sprinkler, fire sprinklers to go off uh-huh. and it flooded. An entire hotel. Oh, shit. So, um, it says that the 
convention was deemed not legally responsible, but was forevermore associated with the disaster, and no one would host them after I was going to say, yeah, you make you make a mess for the whole... Right. So, like, that's another... This is a little public service announcement. If you do go to a convention, don't act a fool right. and ruin it for, for everybody everyone. else. Um, don't be a jerk. Yeah. Um, I'm going to interject here. Yeah, go for it. Uh, so, I have some information about the first... Uh, SCCC, which is San Diego Comic Con. Yeah, when was it? Um, nineteen seventy. Oh, we were skipping the fifties and sixties. Oh, I thought you were past sixties. I'm sorry. No, that was nineteen fifty. Was the first oh. disclave. Oh. I still got Lunacon Girl, and go. the sixties. Shit. And then you can jump in in the seventies. All right. Because I got nothing on SDCC. You know okay. my feelings on right that other convention, the other white meat. Hey, speaking of which, hey, you remember? Hey, this what's, is your the, what's your favorite plan? <laughs> this is something to post to our listeners because my students don't remember it. You remember when we were kids and there were commercials on TV that were for just like commercials? Beef. Yeah, well, no, not <laughs> my students know what commercials are, but they were commercials just for beef, like the concept of beef, right? Like, like beef, it's what's for dinner, right. and it was Aaron Copeland's rodeo that would play. I mean, and, I remember those videos. I can't yeah. tell you specifically, but there, it's Aaron Copeland. I believe and you. It's not a commercial for like one specific product. Yeah, it's just like, it's hey, just the America, eat some beef, right? And it would be like, here are all these recipes for beef that you can get, but it was pre-internet, so I guess you had to like write a letter, right? And they would send you the recipes for beef. Anyway, if anyone else remembers these, I know they're real because I've looked them up on YouTube. But I, for some reason, I think it was the Aaron Copeland because you know I'm a classical music fan. So I think that's why they've stuck so deeply right. in my psyche. I just did a stuck deeply in my psyche hand oh, seared motion. In your brain. So, yeah. Anyway. Anyway. <laughs> well, saying the other white meat reminded me oh, of right. beef it's what's for dinner. Anyway. Uh, I don't even there. actually like beef, but no. uh, I did like the commercials. It's got a little Aaron Copeland for... You know what other commercials were really good? What? EM commercials. I've got a sweetheart. She comes in a can. She's she's tender tender and sweet. A heck of a yam. yam. That's correct. A little beat poetry about yams for you there. Uh, So anyway, uh, we'll see this in 1957. It says Lunacon was the first to be held in New York. So I think PhilCon was in Philadelphia. It just, they hosted people from New York. I'll see if I can find more information about that when you're talking about SDCC. So we don't have to do a full corrections right? Because here it says Lunacon was the first science fiction convention to be held in New York, being founded in 1957 by the New York Science Fiction Society, also known as the Lunarians, hence Lunacon. Hmm. Aside from being the first con in New York, it ended up being one of the first cons to feature space specifically for anime. Uh... They had a room in the 80s devoted to the anime Star Blazers, which was an American re-edit of Space Battleship Yamoto. So um, that's why Lunacon has its place in history. And the 60s, that's when conventions really, really blew up. Uh, Fan culture exploded. Superheroes were making a comeback. Um... Godzilla and other giant monsters captured the collective anxieties of a social society discovering the potential of nuclear war, it says here. So, um, right in the 60s, you had more, uh, some major science fiction authors coming out. Isaac Asimov, Arthur C. Clarke, Isaac Asimov, 
I wrote the, uh, I've got a lot of facts about Isaac Asimov. I won't give you that many. She's but, got a lot of facts uh, <laughs> about everything, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> he came up with the rules of robotics, right? Ooh. Everyone, uh, three rules of robotics. Uh, he wrote iRobot. Yeah. Uh, he also was originally going to be a doctor, and uh, this, I, I should say, this is a story that I've read. I don't know uh, how. It's just an interesting story that stuck with me. Supposedly, he was going to be a doctor, but it was during a time that you had to um, uh, kill your own cat. You had to kill a cat and bring it in to dissect it, and he couldn't kill the cat. Good. So, I don't know if that's true or not. Don't kill cats. <laughs> Please. Also, Arthur C. Clarke, um, another famous... Uh, um, science fiction author. So they began to produce. Uh, uh, also, the Twilight Zone aired. It was super, super popular. Oh, Twilight yeah. Zone TV series. Rod Sterling, one of my favorite. Uh, that'd be a good cosplay idea. Twilight Zone. Mm. 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 One of my very favorite shows of all time. Seen every episode about three, four times. Mm-hmm. Have most of them memorized. Um, so. What had before been more traditionally a niche uh, thing started to become more recognized yeah. in society. Uh, 1961, Stan Lee and Jack Kirby created the first issue of Fantastic Four. Um, so it says, over 17 conventions emerged over the decade of the 60s, which was more than twice the amount that emerged over the prior 30 years. So Wow. So 60s, it really took off. Uh-huh. Um... It says here that Luca Comic Convention started in the 60s, which is a convention in Italy. It was one of the first to um, uh, focus on comic books and less on science fiction. Uh, Over time, it gained significance both as a gathering of fans across Europe um, and as an award show for comic book creators. So they actually have an award show. And it says it's now the second largest attendance for a convention second only by japan's comicette which we'll talk more about that Mm -hmm. the potential controversy that we found and then that takes me up to comic-con san diego comic-con which you so i will get into there i'm gonna look up phil con while you're doing that you go girl um so comic-con your comic-con probably what comes to your mind is either something you've seen on the tv show or san diego comic-con i would think yeah, it's most people when they highly publicized, Con, they yeah. probably are thinking San Diego right. Comic Con. That's what I'm saying. So SDCC or San Diego Comic Con, um, it started in 1970, but um, when it started, it was just called the Golden State Comic Book Convention, um, and the first one attracted about 500 people. It says, um, and this is kind of I'm just gonna go ahead and jump into this. Um, what did we find? I don't know if this is, uh, right. What, what were the visitors last year? The, that wasn't last year. I don't think 130,000 or something, but that was all. So that was total people in the building at one time. So including guests, vendors, all that from what I read. Uh, so 130,000 visitors, uh, press, right. Guests anything yeah so um and like I said I can't remember if that was last year but they were all pretty similar right so so yeah um it's grown significantly and 
they they go from Wednesdays till Sundays, um, Wednesday to Sunday, or I'm sorry, Wednesday night. So kind of like Dragon Con, they start like Wednesday Probably, yeah. Wednesday evening and have an opening ceremony situation. Um, but oh, let's see. Um, so it originally was showcasing uh, pri- primarily comic books and science fiction, science fiction or fantasy related, um, you know, movies, shows, uh, art. Um, but Which it still does right. But just... since but since then has started to include just a lot of just more general pop culture, right. which I think a lot of them have and do. Right. Well, and it's one of those you have to evolve with what's popular if you want to keep making money and stay in business. Absolutely. Um, not that comic books aren't still incredibly popular, but... Right. Um, Silicon is in Philadelphia. It always has been in Philadelphia, so I'm not an idiot. (laughs) The reason why it mentions New York is because they did have attendees, so it was the first inner city convention. It's also, according to their website, which is philcon.org, the world's first and longest-running conference on sci-fi, science fiction, fantasy, and horror. So it doesn't look like still no comic books at Philcon. Uh, science fiction, fantasy, and horror, and they are still going. They're having a convention, and it's in Cherry Hill, New Jersey, actually, which is where um, we stayed when we went oh, yeah? to. Yeah, one of my other friends and I. We went to. I have two whole other friends two besides whole Paige. Two other friends. So, uh, yeah, it's actually in Cherry Hill, New Jersey, but um, uh, yeah, November twentieth to twenty second this year. If you'd like to check out Philcon, a little shout out to them for being the first. And, of course, longest running since they're, they were the first and they're still running. That, by default, makes them <laughs> the longest running. Yeah, that's really cool. Uh, you got anything else you want to say about I, San Diego? I really don't. Uh, you know, it's uh, uh-uh. arguably one of the biggest. Um, well, I lost my thing, so. Uh-oh. Uh, well, it depends. So, we say, and Dragon Con says that they're the largest, and they are by surface area. Or, you know, by uh, amount of space. And by attendance, they're up there. Like we said, over 85,000 just attendees, badge, over 85,000 badges sold. So I have some interesting numbers year. here while you're talking about that. Okay. Um, now, this was 2013, so I'm sure it is bigger since then. But they said in 2013, Wikipedia said in 2013. The source of all knowledge. Right. Uh, there were 1,075 total panels. 1,075. Yes. Total panels during the convention. Um, at DragonCon or SDCC? No, SDCC. I was going to say, at DragonCon, it has to be way more than that. Right, and that's what I was going to ask if you had any idea. Um, and there were 1,036 vendors. Um, there are at least 17 separate, like, big panel rooms um, for panels and screening. Um yeah, the biggest holding over 6,000 seats, which is Hall H, which, um, but yeah, I don't know what that compares to Dragon Con number wise for like panels and, uh, cause I mean, at Dragon Con, they have so many different things going at one time. It's just insane. Uh, uh, so the next convention I have after SDCC in the seventies is Comiquette, which, as we mentioned, is arguably maybe the largest attendance of any convention. 
And it was, attendance-wise, again, not uh, service area-wise, our beloved Dragon Con holds that distinction. But uh, do you know what I mean when I say service area? <laughs> do you know what that means? Uh, I guess probably also volume, because the hotels go up, right? So it is three-dimensional space that they take up. Quit talking math to me right now. Um, so anyway, Comiket was founded by Japanese manga fans. It says manga is the Japanese word for comic, but in the West we interpret it as a moniker for comics from Japan. Is and it also, manga or manga? I say it manga. I, it I don't manga. speak Japanese though, so okay. I mean I've heard it both ways. Okay. Uh, like Caribbean and Caribbean. I don't know what ones correct. Manga sounds a little bit like I'm from Northern Illinois, right? Like manga. Uh, but uh, anyway, uh, some of you may have read some manga slash manga. Generally, reads even when they're in English, reads opposite. Be- you know what I mean? I wasn't trying to call you out. I just didn't know if no, I would say I've heard it, it both ways. No, just I've heard it both ways. I don't know if there's uh, like I said, I don't know what's closer. Um. <laughs> uh so, again, if you've read, read any Japanese manga, they go from what we would consider to be the back cover to the front cover right, rather right, than right, the right. other way because of the way that their language works. Which yeah. I thought was interesting. I remember finding that um, out for the first time. It says here that what sets Comiket apart from other conventions is that they have a way more independent creators at Comiket. So, fan artists that sell their independent material, fan comics that are inspired by the animes they join. So it kind of sounds like fan fiction almost. Um, <laughs> oh, uh, fan It says here that there are several, many fan creators would end up creating mainstream manga and anime after having a start at comic So, hmm. <laughs> although, and then here it says down, uh, at the bottom, it should be noted, however, that the vast majority of the fan comics sold at Comicat are hentai. Uh-oh. If you don't know what hentai is, uh, if you're, you know, 18 or older, go ahead and Google it. I'd prefer not to go into too much Please, detail. I think you should. If you're listening to our, if you're listening to our podcast, probably know what hentai is. If you don't, I'm not gonna do a little Google. It a little Just do a little Google. Google. Again, if you're 18 plus, warning, warning, if you're... Not 18. Go to bed, but please, don't Google that Please first. ask your parents' permission to Google what hentai is. They're going to say no. Um, they probably so. I mean. Mm. That's all I have on Comic Cat. I'm now up to the 80s, so if you've got okay. anything. I don't, I don't have anything until 97. Okay, so, which means you skipped the founding. I didn't skip. I was going to hit the ones I didn't think you would hit. Oh, well, this is one that was founded in the 80s that I will for sure hit. So it said before the 80s, um, uh, their conventions had more of a general feel. So, you know, for, uh, you know, whoever wants to I got a lot of vodka in that one. Sorry. (laughs) God. Um, Before the 80s. Uh, there were kind of, you know, sporadic cons mm-hmm. in the 80s. Cons started, they both started being more cons and then also reoccurring. more sp- reoccurring and specialized right. I did cons. see that. So, like, specialized cons, meaning, like, 
uh, you know, cons that were for eat, not even just sci-fi in general, right? So when I say a general con, I mean like a general like genre, a Star Trek, right? Uh, like Star Trek specifically, mm-hmm. or Doctor Who specifically, right. or you know, Star Wars. So, or, and the first right. ones really were Star, Star Trek, Trek from everything right. I read, but and now there's like again, Walking Dead cons, right? Uh, like and so when I say general, Walker I don't mean Stoffer. general like Dragon Con is, which is what I'm getting ready to talk about. I mean general like one specific right. genre. So or even show like there's um, supernatural cons right. Now. So there's very very specific right. Uh, that and that started in the eighties. Have you ever was, been to a more? Spe- I don't think I've ever been to. A I've been specific. to a gaming con, which I guess is mm-hmm. not really. I don't think so. I don't Me think either. I've ever been to like just a specific. We've talked about going, going to, to the like, Doctor Who right? Like uh, there's in one Chicago. in Chicago, mm-hmm. right? Uh, Chicago Tardis, I think yeah. it's called, mm-hmm. and I. One of my other friends and I talked about going to a Game of Thrones one, mm-hmm. uh, but we just never have. Yeah. It's one of those, you know, budget is always an issue, So, and it's harder to find a group of people who's into something so specific, right. and so the more general ones just tend up to be more Absolutely. budget-friendly. If you can only do three a year, you're probably going to do the three that have the most I was just trying to stuff. remember, like, if you had ever, and I was like, I don't, I don't think you have. I don't think so. Yeah. I don't think so. I can't think of one. So that takes into a good uh, transition into Dragon Con. Dun, 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 dun. Dragon Con was founded. So Dragon Con's the same age as we are. I knew uh, that. I it was founded know. in 1987. So this will be the 34th Dragon Con. Well, they started planning it in the year I was born. So it, Dragon Con always turns the same age that I do. Fine. Anyway, dra- like I'm the same age as drag at Dragon Con as Dragon Con is. Mm-hmm. Do you know what that means? Do you know what that means? <laughs> so this will be 33 years for right. Dragon Con. Then I guess I could have done that math. Anyway, so uh, all of this information is from Dragon Con's website, um, which is DragonCon.org. Um, I had never actually read any of this before, even though I've been going to Dragon Con for. A long time now and it's literally my favorite thing in the world mm-hmm. Tell me I about actually it. never read this Tell so me. that's why before Dragon Con so as we've talked about Dragon Con before it takes up a huge amount of space there's a ton of people that come and there's individual tracks five hotels five hotels America's Mart three two or three other buildings at least and well, they, they started doing that, parties. The year, they right? started doing so, parties in different buildings now, yeah. And then there's all the associated unofficial stuff. Uh-huh. And a lot of Dragon Con honestly takes place, like, in the streets. streets. They call it Nerdy Gras. Yeah. So it's kind of like Mardi Gras. You go down to Bourbon Street, and everybody's out in the streets yeah. partying. That's kind of how the, Dragon Con Any is. Uber driver that we've ever come into contact with is like, like, oh, you want to go down there? Like, yeah. cause you they know try there's to some kind of dragon thing going on, and we're like, yeah, yeah that's That's us. us. Yeah, they well, normally last know. year, right? Last year on our way from the airport, remember our Uber driver? She was like, "Yeah, there's a dragon convention," and we're like, "Yeah, that's we're what? not in cosplay <laughs> yet. You have the, no yeah. idea." Um, that's well, us. they don't. Always, These are our people in cosplay. Right. Most like I think most of them know Dragon Con, but we've had like Paige has mentioned this before. Uber drivers that like, okay, when I stop to let you guys out, like I'm gonna double park really quick so we right. can get a picture, right. like if we're wearing our cosplays. So, um. You know, that's kind of a cool little extra of a con like Dragon Con that you can 
you know, make somebody's day. Well, and even hour. like you wouldn't have to have a ticket. Like if you lived in Atlanta. Oh no. Oh no. Had a Party coast, foul. My coaster stuck to my drink there. Um, if you lived in Atlanta and I'm sure people do this, you, and you well, wanted to take people, your kids down there. They have a parade every Saturday, right, not every Saturday, for, every Saturday of Dragon right. Con. Which is pretty rare for a convention to have. Uh-huh, yeah, and like you, you can experience a, a lot of the con just by going out and like people watching or down the street. a lot of the cosplay for yeah, sure. That, yeah, right? Or right. people will go down and eat in restaurants down there and just mm-hmm. watch people walk yeah. by. We've so, had, you know, so. You uh, get down in that, in that general vicinity, even a couple blocks away that weekend and right. you were going to see it. Or as again, one of us mentioned before, I honestly don't remember which one it was. People will like, we took pictures last year with people who were like, we just came to Atlanta for vacation and we were driving down. Look here at all the these people. For, Where are these people Right. Doing? And they see all the costumes and they just stop to take pictures mm-hmm. and talk to people in cosplay, which is, mm-hmm. you know, really yeah. cool. So, yeah. um, anyway, so the reason why Dragon Con started, it was started by, I have the names here. Pat Henry, David Cody, John Bunnell, and Robert Dennis. Good job, boys. Yeah, so uh, they chipped in $300 each. And they, because they wanted to have a convention, they were used to, you know, like there were gaming conventions Mm -hmm. for gaming nerds and sci-fi convention for sci-fi nerds. But, you know, what if... Well, I'm kind of into gaming, but really I'm more into sci-fi, or but I'll go with my right. friends and then you get bored and there's not right. really anything for you to do. Or you get into arguments like, well, I want to do this, this, and this, but right. you don't care about any of that. So they wanted to come up with a convention that was more multi-genre, mm-hmm. which now I would say, again, I'm very biased. Very. So, <laughs> but I would say Dragon Con's the most diverse convention in the world. Honestly. Uh, because there are things that you wouldn't even associate, like there's... Like military history and mm-hmm. regular history and alternate history, belly dancing classes, extract, yeah, there are origami and mm-hmm. cultural things. So, there are things you wouldn't even think of as like mm-hmm. traditionally pop culture or nerdy or fandom, right? That are at Dragon Con. There's uh, astronomy, there's live astronomy, mm-hmm. like pretty much 24 yeah. 7. They do either sun, like solar. Of viewings or so during the daytime solar viewings kilt so. blowing oh good like there's oh, that's, just, sorry that's for a different episode <laughs> we've never been able to go yet so um so that was what and it was created with that intent the first year it was really just sci-fi and gaming and they managed to attract some top name ge- ge- guests it says and 1,200 fans. So it's come, gone from 1,200 fans in 1987 to, to 85,000 yeah. at least uh, last year. So uh, 2019. So in 32 years, uh, pretty significant growth. For sure. Um, the biggest name they had their first year was Gary Gygax. Who's that? You, I was going to ask you if you knew who Gary Gygax was. I'm a little bit ashamed that you don't. Gary Gygax, the inventor of a little game called Dungeons & Dragons. Oh. Uh, I like to play I've the Dungeons & Dragons. I've never played it. Dragons. I'd like to sometimes. Uh, I'm going to try, I think, when I'm home over spring break, to DM a game. Uh, DM means Dungeon Master. Your oh. page is looking at me like she clearly doesn't know. Quit speaking the Chinese or <laughs> phrase. DM. Uh, DM is Dungeon Master. Also, sometimes a GM for Game Master because there are other uh, role playing games. Uh, most of them I play are D and D rules. Pretty much the main rule of D and D is like Dungeon Master is God. Oh, so great. Uh, yeah, well, that that's like why I like great, to DM. Right, great. Also. 
it's hard to de not that I'm like, well, it's hard to DM, so I'm quite good at it. But like, you That's have to exactly be exactly what she's talking <laughs> You have to be really adaptable because you're like Dungeons and Dragons is not a traditional game. If you don't know anything about Dungeons, it's a role playing game, so it's not a game like Monopoly where there's like these set rules. And I mean, there are some rules that are set, but you each player character has specific actions that they can take and you don't know what those are going to be as the dungeon masters mm-hmm. you have to come up with reactions from all of the non-player characters and the world in relation to what those aren't going to be so um my two other friends that i play role-playing games with, only two other my friends. O- only two other friends uh did just we'll post them are you trying to are you trying to just change one letter? Mm-hmm. <laughs> How about Fendi, Fendi and Refini. <laughs> yeah, Fendi and Refini, my other two friends. I don't think even listen to the podcast, so they're not gonna know they got referenced. Um but I play role playing with them and they just posted well, one time what did you call her? Refini? Yeah. <laughs> Refini was the game master and she's the nicest, sweetest human being on the planet. So it was a Harry Potter based, it was Dungeons and Dragons rules, but it was in the Harry Potter universe. And you, one of the first things you do when you're designing your character in a role playing game is you get to pick like certain items and things that you have. So the first item that I always take generally is a knife. So I shocked, shocked. Because it's useful in real life. And this it's is useful. my shocked face. <laughs> it's useful in real life and it's useful in role playing. So, uh, someone's drooling over Harrison Ford over here, not, not listening to me. Drooling, I am. Not you have a sword or a knife. <laughs> uh, so, we were playing this Harry Potter, and we were attacked by, like, masked people. So, rather than using Harry Potter magic, of course, I did stab with my knife. Correct. And I killed the person immediately, which Bethany, well, oh, Bethany. Bethany was clearly not happy about. So, then... Fendi, the my uh, the other player character was like, I'm gonna pick up Jesse's knife, stab him again, and throw him in front of the Hogwarts Express. Oh no! To which Fendi, Fendi said, "You know you don't have to kill them because we really weren't supposed to be killed." Right. So that's the thing you have to be, or then I feel like maybe this is a different episode right, called right. How to Play D and D. Right. Or yeah, if you're interested in role playing games, also uh, something, and you'd know nothing about them. I would highly recommend Dan Harmon, again, has, it's on uh, VRV, is, <coughs> I think the first two seasons are free uh, to watch on VRV, it's an app you download, like a streaming app, but I think the two, first two seasons, it's free to set up an account, and uh, I think the first two seasons of Harmon Quest are free, I'm almost positive, I know the first season's free, hey. anyway, at least last time I checked, Hey, but... Uh, there's a really excellent game master on there. They actually play Pathfinder. I think I've mentioned that before. Not D and D. Pathfinder's like a spinoff game. I'm anyway, glad, this I'm is glad all we been... got to give a shout out to Fendi and Refini. But let's get back mm. to the history of conventions. That was all Gary Gygax related. Oh, sorry. So Gary Gygax is the creator of Dungeon and Dragons. So a pretty big get for your yeah, first year. Absolutely. Um, it says here also that um, Michael Moorcock, who's another. Uh, um, uh, gaming guest brought his longtime friend Eric Bloom, lead singer for a little bl- band called the Blue Oyster Cult. Oh, uh, don't fear the Reaper, uh, Godzilla. 
Gotta get uh, some cowbell up right. in here. Other other Blue Oyster Cult songs probably exist. Well, they've got a song on uh, the heavy metal soundtrack, so. But also. Mm-hmm. So they they jammed on stage. So live music is a huge part of Dragon Con mm-hmm. now, and I was like, I thought it was cool to see that it was. Yeah, like at a, the first one too. It wasn't necessarily. It sounds again from this article like it wasn't necessarily a planned thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, the Atlanta Radio Theater broadcast a live performance of H.P. Lovecraft's Call of Cthulhu, and there still have been some Atlanta Radio Theater events the past couple years at Dragon Con, so they're still uh, active with. It, huh? Uh, at least I don't know what year. I'll have to look up. Yeah. Um, I might be thinking of somebody else, but I'm pretty sure it's Atlanta Radio. Okay. Yeah. Um. So for the next few years, it said in almost every respect, the first Dragon Con was a smash. Um. For the next few years, they had a mix of gaming, science fiction, and live music. Um. It says there in 1989. They had the first uh, guest of honor, which they still do, literary guest mm-hmm. of honor. And McCaffrey was the first Dragon Con guest of honor. Um, and and that by that time, it had reached a whole whopping 2,400 people, Shit. which, again, was very successful right. for the time. Uh, it says 1990 was the breakout year for Dragon Con because they were selected to host Origins Game Fair 90. They... Um, so that was the um, uh, kind of a breakout for them. Mm-hmm. There's more information on here. I'm not going to um, read all of it. But the other thing, so I'm going to skip ahead to 2003. No, but you're skipping me now. Well, I'm this is kidding. all DragonCon specific. Joking. So 2003, they call the year we nearly bo- broke DragonCon. So that's the year that DragonCon really broke out. Uh, and I'm get like I think that's before four days at Dragon Con though. I'll look up while you're talking when that documentary came out. Like I said, I don't know how many other people. Again, I'm a big PBS fan, so maybe it was just me. But that was my introduction to Dragon Con. Was that seeing it mm-hmm. on my local PBS station? This thing called Four Days at Dragon Con, and being like, oh my god, oh my god, oh my god. So I don't know how many other people were inspired by <laughs> that documentary. But you know, even if it's a thousand people. And half of them come, that's 500 more people, you know. And if they bring friends, then that's potentially thousands more people. So, oh, please, I'm gonna tell you when it came out. I've got okay. it pulled up here. Maybe if I can figure out. Oh boy. Okay. Uh, well, it says it aired in 2011. Right, I thought it was after. Okay. That's what I'm saying. I, I don't didn't realize it, it was, was that far after. No, because well, because I saw it in grad school. Okay, so yep. I uh, would have been yeah 2011, 2011. I was in grad school. So uh, I saw it when it first like first aired. There it um, is. Yeah, you can watch it on pbs.org. Yes, it's, mm-hmm. uh, it's I really, really, really recommend it if you're into cons, if you're into fandom, if you're into Dragon Con Especially specifically. Especially if you're thinking about coming to Dragon Con. Right, yeah. Like, if, that's maybe a danger thing, because if you watch danger. it, you're going to want to come. <laughs> like, uh, it's uh, it's really well done. PBS makes excellent programming. Shout out, PBS. Shout out, PBS. So it says... Uh, the 2013, they worked to try to get some big name guests and snagged the one guest who would let the proverbial genie out of the bottle. You want to guess who the one guest who would let the proverbial 
It's someone you have met and you really like. Someone I've met uh-huh. and I've liked. Mm-hmm. Okay, give me a minute. I've met them. Yep. It's a celebrity that you have met at a convention, does at it, Dragon Con, in fact. Does it have something Still to do... Still comes. Does it have something to do with a genie? No. Okay. The proverbial genie out of the bottle is just a proverb. It's not a hint. That's I read that directly from Dragon Con's website, the proverbial I genie on the bottle. I met them right. at Dragon Con. Uh-huh. I really like them. A male actor is... Is still comes. I met him at Dragon Con. Huh? Oh no. James Marsters. Who? James Marsters. James Marsters. I thought you said Jake Swarsters. No. <laughs> I must not have. Yeah, James Marsters. <laughs> oh, well, that's who I was thinking. I was like, James, like, Spike? So he really? to come with the caveat that he could bring his band Ghost and the Robot, which he still does. Right. Yeah, mm-hmm. like I said, he still comes, he still brings his band, yeah. they still perform. Uh, in addition to Marsters, fans were treated to a terrific roster of guests, including authors Ray Bradbury. Really bummed that oh. I didn't. He's like one of probably my second favorite, maybe third favorite author of yeah. all time. He's now dead, if you didn't know. He's from uh, Illinois, small town, Illinois, not Chicago. So not got Chicago. a bond there. Not that there's anything wrong with Chicago. Yeah, it's, it's just, just the way that you said it. well, I'm just saying because we're from such a small town. Right. It's kind of cool. Like he writes about right. areas like we grew up in. Right. Anyway, didn't get to see him. Uh, Anne McCaffrey came again, John Rice Davis, Luke Perry, uh, Ray Park, who Perry's is also the, dead. yeah, well, blob, blob. and Rowdy Roddy Piper. I think Rowdy Roddy Piper is dead too. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, the attendance in that one year alone spiked more than 40%. That's crazy. No, I did uh, not realize that. It says, that. Marsters especially overwhelmed the convention. On the day that Ghost and the Robot was to perform, there was chaos. Good Fans, for him. Fans started lining. Yeah, okay. I'll listen. Have you Buffy is a big, a big fandom, and Spike is Whoa. a fan so favorite. Their show started at eight p.m. Guess what time people started lining up for to get into their show? Ooh, uh, eight o'clock the night before. No, not quite that. Okay. Again, I shouldn't have had you this game anymore because you always guess up and then ten a.m. Ten a.m. So was that ten hours before? Wow. Um. Which caused bottlenecks, concentrated the crowds, and, you know, caused general mm-hmm. problems. So, Good job, uh, James Marsters. Good job. Uh, so, two of the founders, Cody and Dennis, argued that they should cap attendance, which that's another thing that's unique about Dragon Con. It's one of the few conventions that does not, has not yet had to cap yeah. their attendance. So, you can buy a ticket to Dragon Con the day of Dragon Con. They have not yet. Now you're not probably going to be able to find a hotel. Right. So I wouldn't just show up in Atlanta, you know, you're Labor Day weekend and be like, sleep in your right. car, I guess. I mean, right. some people do. Yeah. Some people, you know, really do Dragon Con rough. Oh, but man. Uh, That should be another. It will be, I'm sure. Dragon Con, uh, we're going to do at least one Dragon Con specific episode. Oh, yeah, for sure. Episode, since it is such a, a bigger deal right and there's so um, much we can discuss about. right um so cody and dennis argue to cap the attendance which of course that you now know spoiler that that they did not win they didn't do it. while the henry's argued for incremental growth eventually they agreed on a 10 percent increase in attendance for future years and every year since attendance has steadily increased 10 to 13 percent per year so then uh yeah. how much would that be let's see do how many math. that would be yeah i'm gonna do a little math here use my degree and see and her phone calculator yeah well i can't i'm not gonna try to do percent of my math 
Percent of my math. Percent, percent of my math. So that means if it grows by 13%, that means there'll be 96,050 people this year at this year. Whoa. Let's hope not. No, That's a please lot don't more. come. <laughs> <laughs> Never mind. It's lame. It's don't so come. bad. Don't come. <laughs> Uh, just kidding, I just don't, like I said, eventually I do think they, they probably are, are going to have to cap attendance. There was last year uh, that Legionnaires outbreak of Legionnaires right. disease. So like uh, eventually they may have to, but so far they haven't. Um, uh, um, like I said, I just thought it was cool that there was one year. Yeah, that's that, really neat. Um, uh, um, uh, I just thought it was interesting. You can cut out all those ums and uh, uh, that, you know, Dragon Con. Some things I didn't know. Like I said, did not know there was live music. Didn't know that that's why they started it. Was speci- Like, I didn't know that they specifically started it to be multi-genre. Like I said, the first three genres that they started with, which were science fiction, gaming, and live music, still a huge part of Dragon Con. Right. But Dragon Con now has, like I said, science space science specifically space science has its own track regular science has its own track everything else science has its own track skepticism has its own track so where like things that you may not traditionally think of as fandom like you could go honestly and almost like if you were a scientist you could go to dragon con and pretty much treat it as a professional Mm -hmm. development convention even when i asked off i take one personal day a year for dragon con and when I asked off for it this year at work, uh, my boss was like, well, if you're going to go do science stuff while you're there, you can. You don't have to use a personal day. You can count it as personal development. And I was like, well, I'll be in cosplay and, you know, don't really feel comfortable. I'll just take the personal right. day. So um, I just thought it was really interesting. Also, if you're more interested in the history of Dragon Con, it talks about the different buildings, how they negotiated oh. getting. Because it started in well, we a should, small... Well, we should maybe talk about that on our Dragon Con right, episode. Right, yeah. right. So that's just that's a brief history. Like I said, Dragon Con really is unique. There are other multi-genre, like, you know, especially smaller mm-hmm. uh, regional ones. We'll mm-hmm. try to, again, because that you want to draw the most crowd that you can. Mm-hmm. So if you're more diverse. And most, I would say most geeks aren't into one. Just one. Right, like, you know, I You like, might love one more than others, right, but you're gonna... Yeah. Right, like, I like tabletop gaming, I like science fiction, mm-hmm. I like video games, I like fantasy, so it is nice to have that. And, like I said, it's more... We go with so many people now. Like I said, last year, how many? Five in the other room, four in ours, right? One, two, the boys, and... Yeah. One, so, two, the boys. Yeah, one, two, buckle my, the boys. So... <laughs> Um, five in the other room, four. So nine of us from our like core group that went down mm-hmm. last year, and, there, there's some... and we have very little in common. Mm-hmm. The nine of us as a whole, but we all find things that we like to do in Dragon mm-hmm. Con. So just the fact, like that's why I think makes Dragon Con special. For sure. Again, we're, I'm trying to make not every episode just Jesse loves Dragon Con right. a whole bunch, but, but basically that's yeah. What I am going to talk about Jesse loves the Heinlein. Um, so are you caught up to 97? Uh, I mean, I don't have anything after... Dragon Con until you get until in the Heinlein? Until I get to the... Well, the Heinlein Society started a long time ago. It's just right. kind of like a thing I wanted to talk about. Yeah, so for sure. Put it here. Okay, so I'll and just... then I've got that thing about Comiket. Maybe not, and but that's 2019. Okay, so, so I'm just going to hop into another con that we go to yearly um, or have the past. Even though every year I say I'm not yeah, going every to. every year she's like, no, I'm not going to, and then we do. Never again. Uh, 
But, listen. We're not trying to disparage them. That's no. That's my personal. So, um, in... The, so, there's been something called Chicago Comic Con for several years. And in 1997, uh, Wizard Entertainment purchased that to expand it from its core... Um, it used to just be Wizard Entertainment was just like a publishing business, and they wanted to get into more consumer conventions. Um, right. And, and I'm pretty sure the first time I went to Wizard World, it was Chicago only. Yeah, right, right, right. So, uh, in just a few years, now what is known as Wizard World Chicago... Um, I guess that was a little spoiler. Right. Uh, the event boasted... Uh, like, they, they had people... They had like, attendance over, like, 58,000 people for their weekend oh. in just a few years. It oh. really grew, but like I, like we said, like the Midwest, sometimes it's harder. Uh, yeah, drinks are coming out. Um, sometimes it's harder to find cons, so that could be a big part of that. And Chicago's giant. Right. Um, so it was, uh, it was just kind of, they were trying to get a new kind of convention that wasn't just all focused on comic books. Um, and it was more pop culture fandom mm -hmm. to the Midwest. Um, and they have uh, celebrity performers, films, te television, video games, toys. Um, let's see. Uh, in 2002, uh, they started Wizard World East. Uh, now Wizard World has multiples, but this was in Philly. Right. And, Philly is, and Philly is still one of their core cities that they go to every right. year. But There's some that they don't do every year, some that they do do every right. year. It's but... now known Wizard World Philadelphia. Right. And um, they did a Texas in 2003. Then they expanded in 2004 to Los Angeles. And then Boston in 2005. And then in 2009, that's when they decided to start kind of expanding to multiple cities every year and be a more traveling reoccurring con right. which like I said I anticipate makes more money for them and mm -hmm. it's nice to have you know like I said we live in a we both live in a pretty rural area um but we've got cities like Louisville's about three hours mm -hmm. from each of us St. Louis is about two two and a half from each of us Memphis is only three. If I keep talking, somebody's going to figure out where I live. Right. <laughs> Memphis is only about two and a half Triangulate hours. that shit. Right. So, you know, it's nice having the option of like, oh, well, this, the Chicago one's on a crappy weekend, but we also have Louisville and St. Louis that mm -hmm. we could try to do. And, they and they've had it in pretty, Indianapolis before. Right. They're and... pretty similar. It's nice to have. It's kind of like McDonald's. Wizard World is kind of like the McDonald's. I feel like you talk about McDonald's a lot. I don't. I don't like. Yeah, I'm not getting paid by <laughs> McDonald's. I don't have some kind of weird love of McDonald's. But well, what I'm saying, or like any fast food restaurant, right. where like, you know, when you're on the road and you need some place that you and you need something familiar that you know is not gonna like, you know, it may not be the best, but right. Again, nothing disparaging Wizard World, but I don't think it's the best. I think most people, I don't know anyone whose favorite convention is Wizard World that's right. not getting paid But by some Wizard people World. don't have, have never Right, had right. And there's chance. nothing, right. they are fun conventions. Right. And they do, like the people that work, the volunteers work incredibly hard mm -hmm. and they're amazing. Mm -hmm. Even the staff, like some of the people that travel, like the mm -hmm. personalities travel, are really funny, really mm -hmm. cool people. Um, not, again, I didn't say all of them, but you know, like. I was going to say a name and I didn't. It's nothing. It's just the, the by nature of how they're set. It's kind of like a fast food restaurant. It's never mm -hmm. going to be the best right. food, but it's familiar food. You know what you're getting. Mm -hmm. 
Uh, it's everywhere, so you're probably gonna have easy access to it. That's kind of how I think as Wizard and World. And it's gonna it's gonna satiate that con right. appetite right. until Dragon Con. Right. Like it may not have <laughs> the best nutritional value, but it will tide you over. It's like a happy meal. You if you're eating it at work, it's not the best nutritionally, but it will tide you over until you can get something that's nutritionally like a real meal. Right. So anyway, <laughs> I feel like that's a pretty been, good analogy. This has been cons and yeah. McDonald's. Every with episode, I'm gonna try to work in happy meals, and <laughs> I haven't eaten a happy meal in a long time. Oh, no. Now that Asian star um, has come into my life. <laughs> so. Um, like I said, they started... Oh, uh, now people will know where yep. I live. <laughs> now, uh, now uh, I'm sure there's more than one Asian star Probably. in the Midwest. And, like, who's gonna... Oh, God. No, okay. Anyway. So, like I said, they started, um, you know, hitting different cities and becoming more of a reoccurring traveling con. Um, so, they've hit Toronto, Anaheim, Philadelphia, Chicago, New York... Um, Austin, Boston, Austin, uh, Austin, comma, Boston. I just like the way you said Austin, Austin Boston, Boston. <laughs> Portland, St. Louis, uh, Philly. Do, 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 do. I already said you Philly. Said Philadelphia 4,000 times. Philadelphia. Philadelphia is a really cool city. <laughs> Born and raised on the playground is when I spend most of well, my days. Well, that's where Longwood Gardens almost uh, kind of is. As in you know New Orleans. Um... And Louisville, Sacramento, Minneapolis, Atlanta, San Antonio, blah, 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 blah. Lots of, like you said, so that's kind of the nice thing is, like you said, if you don't know, like if your city doesn't have, or if it's a hot mess, like that one in Louisville that we mentioned, I'm going to look that one up while you're talking. So this, actually some something cited in this Wikipedia thing says, this explosion in wizard-produced conventions brought, wizard-produced <laughs> Uh, yeah, why not? yeah. Uh, brought accusations that the entertainment uh, behemoth was deliberately trying to push its competitors out of business. Um, but on like the said, other hand, like McDonald's. right? On the other hand, many praised uh, their professional and standardized approach to producing conventions, which I agree with both. Uh, you know, well, this is the portion of the of the show where. Um... <laughs> Uh, where somehow in our intoxicated state, uh, we have managed to delete the last, oh, 15 minutes of the episode. So we are now re-recording different location, different time, but we felt like it was still important enough to get in there. Um, it's something Jesse's very passionate about, so I'm going to let her take it away. I did mention at the beginning of the we are and this is also our first episode i think we've recorded uh not in the same place so that's right, why i was right, worried so about it that's why i was worried about it sounding different if people are like all right. of a sudden um why so. does that sound so weird yeah this is our first over the phone uh recording session but we just aren't going to be back right. in the same uh area until after this one airs so here you go i hope yeah. it's okay yeah we're live via satellite right now take it away jesse um yeah so the Heinlein society i mentioned at the beginning of the episode was something i really wanted to talk about when we decided that we were going to do an episode on the history of conventions uh just because i think it's really neat it's not something i knew about until the first dragon con i went to um so and i wanted to do more research about it and so i learned some cool stuff about the Heinlein Society. So Robert A. Heinlein was a science fiction writer, did most of his 
writing from the late 50s into the 70s, although he did have, um, according to Wikipedia, works uh, published in the 80s as well. I've not read any of these that were um, published in the 80s. Uh, Anyway, he was a science fiction author, and when he saw those early science fiction uh, conventions, he thought, wow, it's great that there's this group of passionate people that get to come together and celebrate this thing that they're passionate about, and you're getting all these people together in one place. Wouldn't it be great if there were a way to kind of capitalize on that in a way that's for good, not capitalize on it for, you know, like greed or money, but capitalize on it for good. So they started organizing blood drives at convention so that, you know, if you're like, if you're waiting an hour for whatever event, why don't you wait that hour giving blood and then you're doing something uh, good with your time, something to uh, pay it forward. That's their uh, motto. The Heinlein Society's motto is an organization dedicated to paying it forward. So that's kind of to honor Robert A. Heinlein's um, legacy. It's a semi-scholarly society they describe themselves as. And it was actually founded a lot later than I thought. It was founded in 1997. Uh, so younger than the two of us. Um, so that that's how I was um, uh, introduced to the Heinlein Society is they have a blood drive at Dragon Con. So 1997 is the year. Oh, yeah, because I said it was uh, younger than either of us. And they, with the assistant of his widow, Virginia Heinlein, the 501c3s who are registered um, not-for-profit. And uh, that's how I came into contact with the Heinlein Society was at my first Dragon Con. There was a blood drive there. And I thought, oh, that's cool that since there are, you know, my first Dragon Con, I think about 50,000 people. on. so it's cool that they have a way, you know, even if 10% or 5% of the people that come to Dragon Con donate blood, that's still a huge amount of units of blood. So uh, I, and I love giving blood anyway, because it's a way a, well, first of all, there's a very attractive uh, American red cross worker in my area. So if he's listening, I'm still single. It's been mentioned before. Still <laughs> well, single. I'm well, not going to say his name. Boring. I don't think that I'm uh, 100% creep uh, <laughs> on the off chance that he's one of our good Listen, do you know how many messages we're going to get now from Red Cross workers? Because nobody, unless they have triangulated your... Right, and he's like, wouldn't it, wouldn't it, like, here's the thing. I'm not saying this is going to happen, but wouldn't it be a beautiful story if he's one of our, like, 50 listeners and he's sitting at home right now and he's like, oh, my God, how can it be? I never knew. And then we, like, we fall in love and then I don't have to 3D 3D print a mate. There you go. I'm just saying. Anyway, so that's part of the reason. But also, uh, I'm a pretty quick bleeder. I've got good veins. I've uh, got a uh, commonly needed blood type. So, uh, <laughs> what? Why is that funny? That we just are still on the blood. Well, so. I want people to know why I would take an hour out of because usually your time at a con is at a premium. But also, you get free snacks, which, right. especially the first year that I did Dragon Con. I was, when I bought my ticket and planned it, I was still in grad school. 
So I had no money. I was anticipating that by the time I went, I would have a job. By the time I went, I did have a job, but just barely. And it wasn't a great paying job. So like when budget's an issue, like getting up some free Cheez-Its and some juice at the end of it <laughs> is not nothing at Dragon Con. Like the way that food wise, the way that I did Dragon Con the first, like there would be have been no Corgi Gorgles at the first Dragon Con, even if they had existed then. Because we ate like a lot of food court food or like we brought food to the con with us, like packed snacks. So anyway, that's why I decided I wanted to do it. And I haven't done it every year at Dragon Con, but you also get a t-shirt, a Dragon Con t-shirt that's got like original art on it. Um, Really cool. Mm -hmm. And you get a badge ribbon that uh, when they give it to you, the volunteers are like, this is the ribbon that says you're better than everyone else. At the cons, you get like a little I donated blood badge ribbon. We love trying to collect them all. We're like the Pokemon of badge ribbons. Yeah. Uh, and it's just a nice thing to do because we are fortunate that we get to go to cons that we get to because there are a lot of people that don't have the money to travel, you know, eight hours away by car to Atlanta or more if you live further away than we do. Again, you can triangulate our mm-hmm. location now. Um, <laughs> you know, so. Uh, I thought it was really interesting that they did that. You get a little uh, heart pin with an SF. That's a highline. SF stands for science fiction, Highline Society. Uh, so I like to wear one time I was wearing my SF Highline Society pin. And I told one of my friends, I said, uh, I love wearing this pin, but I always am a little bit bummed that nobody ever asked me what the SF stands for. So that I can be like, oh, it's for science fiction and tell them about the Heinlein Society. We were in line to get into Black Friday at a yarn store because that's how cool we are. It was like four o'clock in the morning. And a woman, uh, a few minutes later, maybe five, ten minutes later, a woman that was behind us in line came up and she was like, excuse me, what does that SF on your pen mean? Because she had (laughs) overheard me. And it was just one of the sweetest, kindest things that like, you know, just this. Like a little, I'm going to start crying again. I've been very emotional today. <laughs> so it's just a really, hold on. Oh no. Please don't laugh at my tear. <laughs> so it was just a nice, like it was one of those things, like what happens at con, just like a nice little. So that's, that's part yeah. of the reason why the Heinlein Society is so important to me. Cause just, cause it's nice to give back for something that we are so passionate about and we love so much. It's nice to do one small thing to when I can so you, you can't always give because sometimes my iron's too low or sometimes they're like you clearly your blood's 97 percent uh tequila shots uh-huh. so <laughs> uh but and they also uh, do in addition to the blood drives they also distribute copies of Heinlein's work so his writings to U.S. military personnel and oh, yeah. uh I think other I think it's not just military personnel. I want to say it's uh, there's some other groups that they distribute literature to, but I don't see that in my notes here. Uh, They award scholarships and they also promote research on Heinlein and his works. And the one thing I didn't know, they also sponsor the Robert A. Heinlein Award. So if you're not familiar, the Robert A. Heinlein Award is an award for science fiction literature. They give it every year. Uh, I took a science fiction literature class in my, when I was in college, another thing I was really fortunate to get to do. And we read like the previous 10 years of Heinlein uh, award winners. So I had no idea that 
uh, which would have been probably the first 10 years of Highline Award winners. Now that I think of it, if the foundation didn't start till yeah. 1997. So probably I had read all of them up to this point. I've mi- I'm missing some now, I'm sure. That's so awesome. anyway, it's just a really good uh, organization that is kind of, I think it's not that well known. So in, I've got here. Yeah. I don't think I knew anything about it until you had told me about it. In their last fiscal year, which was 2019, uh, they had 4,121 donors. And then at Dragon Con last year, you want to guess how many donors? No, we're not going to play this game because you'll be like 14,000 and I'll (laughs) be like, (laughs) <laughs> three thousand three thousand uh two hundred twenty three donors at dragon con last year so wow. since the foundation of the blood drives the Heinlein society has collected forty three thousand one hundred sixty two units of blood and there is uh that's as of um like i said the 20 their last fiscal year 2019 fiscal year on the website and if you wow. have a con that you want that you are affiliated with that you volunteer at and they don't do a blood drive and you're interested in getting it started i'll give a little shout out to the heinlein society their email is blood drive chair at heinleinsociety.org if you want to know it says any any size a large or small drive will be worthwhile donors and volunteers uh, are able to pay it forward so it was just something I wanted to mention when we we're talking about the history of cons as there were yeah. there were blood drives at conventions before the Heinlein Society existed, but they're uh, still doing them today. And like I said, you can reach out to them and, uh, or, you know, and if you're not able to give blood, a lot of people can't for whatever reason, like I said, sometimes I can't because of my iron or whatever, you know, or if you just don't like needles, you can, there are other ways you can volunteer. Uh, like I said, if you're a cosplayer, there are more and more and more organizations that are like, Hey, just come, spend you know an hour hanging out with some kids at the hospital or um you know spend 30 minutes to come thank you guys so much for listening to this episode we hope that you found some of this or all of this information um interesting and um we didn't screw anything up too bad um so if you want to follow along with us on the social media you can do so on facebook and instagram at cosplay and cocktails pod pod why do we always spell pod by the way (laughs) it's something we started (laughs) doing like like people don't know it's just short for podcast we both do it i know i started doing it i know i don't know why though i just i don't well it's fine here we are jesse what about our email is cosplay and cocktails pod pod at (laughs) gmail.com that's, uh, gmail. you go. That's gmail.com. That's <laughs> uh, also just so if you want to email us there, it's also linked on our social media and in the description of the podcast. Mm-hmm. Uh, we would love to hear from you. If you have uh, cocktail recipes we should try, if you have funny con, con stories, things you want us to talk about, uh, corrections, mm-hmm. if we did screw something up, uh, we don't, we endeavor not to screw things up. We want to, if you want to mm-hmm. call out Paige for the fact that she can't pronounce anecdote and she says antidote instead. Um, <laughs> uh, really anything you want to do, I will see the emails, Paige will see all the social media. 
So, uh, yeah, give us, uh, get in contact with us. If you, if you're a, uh, person who wants to take us to Japan and, uh, so we can go to some Japanese conventions, email us there. Uh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> right, yeah. Done? Okay, we're done. Bye. Bye.